Hey church, welcome to Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is Cody Mahaffey and I'm the connections and group pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So our mission here is simple, to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus your whole life or your journey has just begun, we hope that this message will help draw you near to the person of Jesus. Be challenged and encouraged by his word and be moved to action. We hope these next few moments are a blessing to you and equip you to see who God really is and who you really are in him. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. It's just good to see all of you, especially just to see your faces here if you're in the per- or in, in person or in the room. It's also good to have you if you're joining and watching online. Uh, that was just a powerful worship set, was it not? I mean, can we just say thank you to our team for leading us so well? Uh, I, I was sitting obviously right up here in front and I didn't want it to end. Uh, I was dreading my own part. I was like, no, just let's cut me. Let's stay in that posture. Uh, I'm just going to ask you, can we just stay in that posture? Uh, I think God's doing something. I think he's stirring in the room. All of us, I think, have brought something today, uh, even in the realm of darkness, something dark, something not right, something not good, something in need of healing, some sort of hole or gap or or shame or guilt. Uh, Every one of us brings that in. And I I just want you to feel this. Like, if, if you're new, if you're watching online, if you're joining here in person, and if you're like, I don't know if I fit here, you fit. You fit just fine. All of us bring that in. Uh, I'm excited to share with you uh, just what I have for today. Obviously, we're going to celebrate baptism. I'll get into that uh, in just a second, but I wanted to tell you this funny story, uh, and it's a true story, okay? So uh, there was a, a group of tourists in Iceland not too long ago that spent hours on a Saturday night looking for a missing woman only to find her in the search party. This is a true story. The mix-up apparently occurred when the bus stopped near a volcanic canyon during a sightseeing trip. The woman broke off from her tourist group and she went and changed clothes. Word spread of a missing passenger and so when she returned, she didn't recognize herself based on the description, so she simply joined the search. The chief of police said the Coast Guard had been preparing a helicopter to help in the search, but it was called off at 3 a.m. These are his words. When it became clear that the woman was accounted for and she was searching for herself. (laughs) Is that an awesome story or what? If you're any of the other tourists, how mad at that woman are you? You're like, I am not sitting next to you. I am not sharing my snacks. You can sit in the back. I'd be so annoyed. Here's why I share it with you. Uh, We're in this series right now. It's called Kingdom Culture. And Jesus uses a a variety of different stories and parables to illustrate what the kingdom of God is actually like. Uh, Searching for a passenger that is already in the group, searching for someone that's already found. uh, It's funny. It's a lot like uh, us. If I can bridge the gap even for a second, I think so many of us in the church, we do uh, churchy things, right, in our personal lives or we do it organizationally that look like we're looking for the lost when in actuality what we're actually doing is seeking for people that are already found. So many of us, what Jesus calls us to, he calls us, he, Jesus said, my mission is to come and seek and to save the lost. It's a full-on, full-blown search party for people that are lost, people that are stuck, people that are broken, people that the only thing that they can see right in front of them is darkness. Jesus said, I came for them. I came to seek and to save the lost. And then his church, what he called us to do as part of his church, if we're followers of him, is to do the exact same thing that Jesus did. 
It's to devote our entire lives to a search and rescue mission to seek and save those that are lost. But so often what we do, and we we may not even intend to do it, but just kind of by default, we end up doing things that look like we're searching, that look like we're seeking, that look like we're sharing the good news of Jesus with a world that doesn't know him. But if we're actually honest, what many of us have done or are devoted to is accommodating or entertaining people who are already found. And it can't be that way. We can't be a church that does that. Today, we're celebrating baptism. Here's what baptism means, okay? It's a public declaration of obedience that says, I've been found, and Jesus is now my Savior. I'm going to ask every single person in the room today or watch it online, I'm going to ask you to make a decision, everybody. For some of you, the decision that you have to make is, today I need to get baptized, Today, I need to respond out of obedience to what the Holy Spirit has put on my heart. I need to come up, even if it's in front of everybody, even if it makes you uncomfortable, even if it's like I didn't plan on it or I didn't bring a change of clothes or nobody here is with me, I'm gonna ask you, and some of you need to respond today and you need to step up and you need to to take the step of obedience of getting baptized. The rest of us, if that's not you, the rest of us need to leave this place today orienting our lives around somebody that needs to be in this tank. We need to align ourselves with Jesus and to align ourselves with the mission that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. There's nobody else. It's either you're getting baptized today and you are the one that has been found and you say, it's me, I'm being obedient, Jesus is my savior, or we leave going, I know who needs to be in this tank. I I now know who to pray for. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to share the gospel with them. I'm going to take the good news to my neighborhood, to my workplace, to my school, to my classroom, to my friend group, whatever it is, every one of us should leave knowing this is what I'm called to do. So let me dive in, okay? We're in the series right now. It's called Kingdom Culture. It's all about the parables of Jesus. Uh, Here's one of the interactions that happens between Jesus and the religious leaders and then this other group of people in the context that were known as sinners. It says this, Luke 15, verse 1. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes, just say it again with me, sinners. I don't think they said it nicely. This man welcomes sinners, sinners, and he eats with them. The the religious group of people boiled down to society or boiled down society into two groups of people. It it was the righteous and then the unrighteous. If I use a different word, right, non-church words, it was the clean people and then the really dirty people. The dirty people represented this group, tax collectors and sinners. What's interesting, tax collectors were hated, especially among Jews, because they were basically sellouts of their own people. So Rome, as they occupied Israel, Rome took over, and how they would collect taxes is they would say, in this region, we need to come up with X amount of dollars, and so we're gonna recruit one of their own to extort their own. We're gonna give the power of the Roman army to them, and they can take advantage, they can take whatever cut they want, they can extort their own people. As long as we get our cut, we don't care. Do you think people liked tax collectors in that time? Hated them. Hated them. Yet Jesus had an affinity toward them. They had an affinity towards Jesus. They loved Jesus. Tax collectors, sinners. Here's what's interesting about sinners, right? It's another churchy word, but sinners actually spoke to a a deep level of sexual brokenness. That's usually what that connotation meant in that society. It meant people that were adulterers, people that had addictions. It was people that had cheated or 
were perverted in some sort of way or identified as something different than the norm. It, it was this group of people that the religious leaders and the religious elite grouped them all together and they said, they're called sinners and we don't touch them. We don't talk to them. We don't relate to them. We don't do anything with them. Why? Because they're dirty and we don't want to catch what they have. Luke 15, Jesus is with that group. And he loved that group. Even more so, that group loved Jesus. I heard it said this way before, the people that were nothing like Jesus loved him. They absolutely loved him. Jesus, knowing the dynamic, knowing what's going on in the religious leaders' hearts and the uh, they were called Pharisees, knowing what's going on in their hearts, seeing what's being played out in the dynamic in front of them, Jesus decides, I'm going to tell you guys some stories. So we're going we're gonna to share these stories today. Jesus says, I want to tell you three stories. It's a story about a sheep, it's a story about a coin, and then a story about a son. So we're going to read these together. Okay, Luke 15, verse 4. Jesus says to this whole group, he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses how many? One of them. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Here's what Jesus says. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home and then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. One. He went after one. And when he found the one, he was so overjoyed, he was so excited, he puts it on his shoulders, he carries it back to the rest of the flock. He looks at everybody, every one of his friends, every one of his, his neighbors and coworkers and classmates. He, he looks at all of them and he says this, I tell you, come, come rejoice with me. I found my sheep. Here's what it says, verse seven. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over, say it with me, one. And then the word that Jesus uses is sinner. Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to. Now, in this time, you might say, would, would a shepherd really leave 99? I, I heard one shepherd was writing this, and he said, it, it, would, it would be so uncommon just to have one shepherd devoted to an entire flock. So sure, you know, a couple other shepherds would take care of the flock, but the shepherd would always go after the one. They, they would never leave or close out the day or end their night with, well, we did pretty good. There's still one that's gone. There's still one that's lost. It, it, the shepherd always went after the one. I want you to catch this. Jesus keeps bringing the focus and bringing the attention to one. Here's the next one he tells. He tells about a coin. Verse eight, he says, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins. Notice he started with 100 sheep and the shepherd goes after one. Now he's down to 10, right? The stakes are going up a little bit. So one out of 10 is missing. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. Verse 9, and when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. Jesus said, remember, these are parables. These are stories intended to teach the group of people, this is what the kingdom of God is actually like. He says this, in the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents? Are you picking up on Jesus' heart here? Are you picking up on what he's trying to illustrate? 
Carol Ann's comments just a little bit ago, maybe somebody came in and you said, well, I'm the exception. I'm the one that's different. I'm the one that brings brokenness. I'm the one that brings a past. I'm the one that brings a secret. I'm the one that brings something that is different than everyone else. I hope what you're hearing is Jesus always goes after the one. You might be the exception, but Jesus always makes an exception for the exception. He always goes after the one. Always. And then this last one here, Luke 15, verse 11, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. Many of you have probably heard this story before. Do you notice the stakes getting higher and higher? First, there were 100 sheep, and the shepherd goes after one of them. Then there were 10 coins, and the woman goes after one of them. Now, a man has two sons, and what do you think the father's going to do? Check this out. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he took his father's inheritance. He basically says, Dad, treat me like you're dead. Give me all your stuff. Give me all your money. Give me all your property. The younger son takes it, runs in the opposite direction, and wastes it. He wastes it on getting wasted. I mean, he just took off, and he had a blast, and it was like living like we're going to die tomorrow. He spent every last penny. It says this, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living after he had spent not just some of it, not just most of it, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my, father, my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Now, can you feel the tension in the room when Jesus is telling this story? Like, what, what are you thinking? If I got up here and I said, hey, I have two boys, you know, let's say they're all grown up, and, and one of them came to me and he said, Dad, can I have all of the things that you're going to leave me when you die someday? Give me 50% of everything. And I said, sure, son, here you go. And he takes it and he runs the opposite direction and destroys it. Gone. Can't recover it, can't recoup it. I mean, it, it is gone. It wasn't even a bad investment. It wasn't like you were dumb. It was like, no, you were dumb. Like, you, it's gone. Like there's no reconciliation, there's no making up. It is so gone, there is no undoing, no fixing. In fact, your decision impacted now our entire family forever. Forever. What he would have given, what the father would have given him, honestly, probably would have been like land. That land's gone, sold. It's owned by somebody else. You impacted us so deeply you moved away. You've caused so much heartache and stress for your mom and me. I mean, we've waited up for you. We've waited, hoping that you would come back, hoping and hoping. Can you imagine the tension in the room for all the Pharisees, all the religious leaders thinking, what, what are they thinking, right? It's an easy question. What are you thinking? I hope he gets what he deserves. I bet that's what the, the mood was in the room. They, he ought to get what he deserves. I'm glad he's hungry. 
I'm glad he's in the field. I'm glad he's feeding pigs. I'm glad that the slop that the pigs eat, which is disgusting, by the way, I'm glad that that makes him hungry. So often, that, that's how we function in the world. And then here, here's a worse statement. So often, that's how we function in the church. It's people that come in who, who've made a mess of their lives or who've run in, in the opposite direction or who, who operated out of brokenness and pain and doubt and insecurity and fear. They've squandered all that they had, all that was given to them, all the things that people gave them or blessed them or walked with them, they've squandered it. So often when those people come into the building of a church, what they don't feel like is they're welcomed with open arms. They feel like they're welcomed like this. Did you learn your lesson? Jesus is talking to the entire group of people, and he's trying to illustrate that's not what the kingdom of God is actually like at all. Jesus kept saying, right, first it was about a sheep, then it was about a coin. We're going to read here in a second, it's about a son. There would be a party that would be thrown. There'd be a celebration. It said all of heaven went ballistic when one sinner, one person with a past, one person with a secret, one person that blew up their life, one person that ran in the opposite direction, just one person, when they turned their life around, it was worthy of all of heaven throwing an all-out party to celebrate that one person that turned their heart back to their heavenly Father. Jesus is illustrating this. How do you feel if you're one of them? Man, if you're one of the sinners of the group or the tax collectors of the group, we, we read their stories all over the Bible. Head over heels in love with Jesus, in love with this message, because they fit in the kingdom of God, because Jesus looks at their heart. It's as soon as they turn their heart back towards them, God goes, I've been waiting. I've been waiting the entire time. I, I wanted to read this for you. We're in the story. Every one of us are in the story. The parables is meant to be told so that we can see ourselves in the story. So here's this. That son didn't just get lost. He chose lost. When he left, when he left that country, when he left his father's house, when he left protection, he chose the opposite. What have you chosen that was the opposite of what your heavenly father wanted? When have you chosen to run in the opposite direction? When have you chosen to squander something that was given to you? When have you chosen disobedience? I wrote some of these, right? The things that happened in college that we don't talk about anymore. The secret sin or addiction that takes place when no one else is around. The things that we said to cripple another person and then walk away. The times that we stole from our employer. The times we cheated in class or on the exam, the time we had the abortion or cheated on our spouse or broke the law, the times that I was deliberately obedient to what God had called me to do. And here's, here's the thing. Remember, he's talking to this audience largely made up of sinners, people who carried a deep sense of sexual brokenness. I wrote this, the sexual sin that causes deep shame. You know what all these things have in common? They make us feel dirty cast aside, overlooked, unvalued, expendable. I'm the exception. I don't fit. I don't fit in this church. I don't fit in this community. I don't fit in my family. And I certainly don't fit in the kingdom of God. Jesus came and he told these three stories 
so that every single person could identify, I'm that son. I'm the one that ran. I'm the one that did my own thing. I'm the one that chose lostness. I'm, the, I'm that one that bankrupted myself so severely, I could never even call myself a son again. I have that story. I mean, as I, as I sat with this, I mean, last night, this week, I, I kept coming back to like, what, what did it feel like again before I gave my life to Jesus? At this point, I mean, it was like 10 years ago, 11 years ago, 12, something like that. I, I still remember like kind of coasting through life and it was like, I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just stuck. I know I'm running from something and I'm running from a lot of stuff. I know I'm angry. I, I remember sitting with like man, anger and pain and doubt and fear and insecurity and this cloud of shame that just stayed over me the, the entire time. Sins that I had done or committed that just weighed on me so heavily that nobody knew. I, I remember carrying all of that and I found myself in a group of people just like this. It was a lot bigger, but it was a group of people just like this in an arena where a pastor came out and he preached a message and it was all about what Jesus can do for people that feel dead. And I went, that, he's speaking my language. I just feel dead. I feel lost, I feel stuck, I feel broken, I, I feel insecure, I feel lonely. I, I feel all of these things. And, and what he said, it's the same thing that Jesus said. He, he turns the page and Jesus opens up this whole new light to open up the kingdom of God for people that think, oh, kingdom of God, what comes around comes around or what goes around comes around. You know, you choose a bad decision, then God punishes you for that. Here, here's how the story ends, if I can end the story for you. It's Luke 15, I think it's verse, yeah, 20, there it is. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, and he ran to his son, he threw his arms around him and kissed him. How many saw that ending of the story? How many of you see that as the ending of your story? I mean, I, I sat with this this week. If I was writing what I thought was going to be up here, the story would be the same up until this point, and then it would be this, and then I crawled my way back to my Heavenly Father. I begged for forgiveness and I was given some sort of a punishment, some sort of a result, some sort of a, I told you so, you shouldn't have done that, and now you're, you're, you've done too much. You've done too far. Go around, turn right back around, go, go make up for it, go earn it all back, go undo the brokenness that you've caused, make sure you're extraordinarily apologetic, go right all of your wrongs, and when you do all of those things, when you check all of those boxes, then go ahead and come back up, and we can have a conversation about what it looks like. Does anybody else relate to that? That's not the kingdom of God. I just, I want to talk to you for half of a second. If that's, if you came in today going, I'm too dirty for God. I'm too broken. I'm too sinful. I'm too lost. I made too many bad decisions. I, I'm not worthy of him. I don't deserve him. Join the club. That's every single one of us. But the reason we're here, the reason we worship, the reason, the reason we have such a powerful worship set this morning is because we know we are unworthy to step into the presence of God himself, and yet Jesus created an avenue and created a way for us to experience him. It says this in Romans. It's one of my favorite verses, uh, and it, there's specific language that comes. Romans 5, 6, it says, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
while you were still broken, while you were still hurting, while you were still addicted, while you were still cheating, while you were still lying, while you were still stealing, while you were still all of these things, while you were still sinners, Christ died for you. Not after you cleaned up your life, not after you righted all of the wrongs, it was because he loved us. Jesus tells these three stories, not because it's about numbers, but because it's about people. So I shared this with you a couple weeks ago. Five miles from where you're sitting right now, five miles in any direction, there are 51,410 people that self-describe they don't have a relationship with Jesus. Let me put uh, handles on that. There's 51,410 people that think they've done too much or too far gone for any sort of reconciliatory relationship with God. What it didn't say is these are all the people that deny God's existence altogether, which I think is so often a category that we just put people into. That's not it. I think there's a whole category of people that think I've done too much. I'm way too dirty. I'm way too broken. I have a history that nobody knows about. I have secrets that nobody knows about. I have things that if they come out, it'll ruin my life or end my career or do whatever. All these things that people think I'm never going to be accepted into the presence of God. There's 51,410 of them within five miles of your chair. And how much would it change if they understood that Jesus, as he described his kingdom, as he described the culture of his kingdom, that all of heaven goes ballistic in celebration when one person repents. When one person turns their heart back to God, when one person acknowledges, I've done so much, I, I've, I've ruined so much of my life, God, or my relationship with you, my relationships with others, I've sinned so deeply, God. It, there's a chasm of brokenness that can never be bridged, but I turn my heart back to you. It says all of heaven goes ballistic because Jesus died for them. Because Jesus' mission is to seek and to save the lost. Jesus' mission is to go after the people that thought they were too far gone, thought they were too sinful, thought they were too broken, so that he could create a way where they could have a new life and a new relationship and a new ending to their story. Jesus found it so important to share this with all of the people that were in his group or in the audience then and preserve it for us today so that we understand it's not just, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, it's not just you're a part of that group. It's you're a part of the group now that goes out and says and shares that same message for people that don't have a relationship with him. If I boiled it down and just said one statement, I would say it this way. The kingdom of God is not about numbers. It's about names. When Jesus went to the cross, I don't think he went to the cross with a number in his mind. I think he went to the cross with your name in mind. As Janice walked us through the prayer here, which was so powerful right before I, I walked up. The cross that we laid those things down, the things of brokenness, the things of pain, the secrets, the addictions, the lies, the, the, the sin, when we lay that down, the person that's on the cross that we just laid that in front of is the person of Jesus who took that. And he didn't do it for a number. He did it for a name, and it was your name doesn't matter what you did. When he died on the cross, he died. His blood was shed to cover the multitude of sins that you would commit as well as everybody else in the world for all time. He died so that those that put their faith and their hope and their trust in a relationship with Jesus might be saved and spend eternity with him. That's why he went to the cross. 
So if I talk about baptism today, that's why we actually celebrate baptism. You know, baptism, the imagery of baptism is actually death to life. That's what it symbolizes. For every single one of us, myself included, when I got in this tank, when I died, it's dying to my old self, dying to my old life, dying to the old way that I did things, dying to, to my desires and my kingdom and my story and my ending and my, my, my. It's death to my story because my story stinks. The way that I wrote it, it doesn't end well. God's story involves Jesus dying on the cross to bridge the gap, to cover the sins of everybody who ever lived, who puts their faith in him. And when they die to themselves, God says, I, I bring them back to life in Jesus' name. That even though someday they'll die, even though someday they'll breathe their last breath, they will not die. They'll live forever in heaven, in eternity with God. So here's what baptism means. Remember I told you, I'm gonna ask you to make a decision. Some of you just need to be obedient. You haven't been baptized as an adult. What baptism signifies is I've put my faith, my hope, and my trust in the person of Jesus to cover all of my sins. And when I sit in this tank and when I go underwater, I come out, I am a new creation in Christ. If you haven't done that as an adult, I wanna invite you to come forward. We're gonna pray here in a second. We're gonna have you line up over here and we're gonna baptize. And what the rest of us are gonna do as a church is we're gonna celebrate because that's what's going on in the kingdom of heaven. It says for one, if there's one person, all of heaven goes nuts. For our room, for our group, for our church, if there's just one person that says, today's the day that I need to get baptized, then we're gonna celebrate and we're gonna go nuts. Some of the people that signed up to be baptized today, I wanted to share this with you. Uh, one of them uh, has become a great friend of mine. Uh, she was an atheist for 40 years. As she shared with me, she helped plant a godless universalist church. Started coming here a couple weeks before Easter, gave her life to Christ on Easter. She is overjoyed and excited to get baptized today. It's another one I heard. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's another person that's gonna get baptized today that has witchcraft in their past. Practicing witchcraft kingdom of darkness and as they understood who the person of Jesus was and what he's capable of and the power that Jesus wields that's present that's in this room through the Holy Spirit is saying I've given my life to Christ I've turned my back on my old way of life I've turned my back on the kingdom of darkness and I'm stepping into the kingdom of light Jesus goes nuts over just one person that turns their heart back to him can I just ask you, do you need to get in the tank today? I probably sat through six or seven baptism services when I was growing up that I knew I needed to be in the tank and I skipped it. I just didn't want to do it. Whether it was fear or anxiety or guilt or shame. I'll tell you what, the day I did it was such a day of celebration because it's, okay, God, what, you're, what you've done, what you're doing inside of me, I need to go public. I need to share it because I want to be a part of your kingdom. I need everybody to know that I put my faith and my hope and my trust in you. If it's not you today, that's okay. The question for you then is this, who's your one life? 
Who's the one person you're gonna start praying for? Who's the one person you're gonna start sharing with? Who's the one person you're gonna start sacrificing for? Who's the one person you're gonna go out of your way to talk? Who's the one person you're gonna start orienting your entire life around? Because what Jesus called us to do is to join him on his mission to seek and to save the lost. So who's it gonna be? I wanna invite us just as we get ready here to celebrate baptism. I just want us to bow our heads. I want us to go before our heavenly father in the exact same posture that we did at the beginning of the service. And I I just wanna pray and I just wanna ask you, would you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you just right now, just in this moment, even if you're watching online, even if you're listening later, uh, maybe just pull over. Just open your heart right now. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this place. We invite you in. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would just show us the darkness that we brought in today. The darkness that we think disqualifies us from a relationship with you. Would you just highlight it? And God, just like Janith said earlier, I pray, Lord, that we would just visualize the cross right in front of us right now. But it's not an empty cross. It's a cross with Jesus hanging on it. And as he looks us in the eyes, he says, I died for you. And then he says our name. God, we want to join heaven today. And we want to celebrate like you celebrate. Your kingdom is a kingdom that is focused on reaching the lost. Those that are moving through life empty, lonely, fearful, full of shame, guilt. God, you went after every one of us in that stage. And you're going after those that are in this room or listening or watching online right now. We just commit ourselves to you, Lord. We, what we say to you right now, maybe we say it under our breath, maybe we say it in our hearts, maybe we say it out loud, God, is that I will be obedient to you. I will follow you. I will give my life to you. I trust you. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that if somebody in this room needs to give their life to you for the very first time, I just pray right now that that they would say that to you, that they repent of their ways, they repent of their wickedness, they repent of the way that they ran from you, the son that ran away from his father, the daughter that ran away from her father. I just pray, Lord, that as they turn their heart back to you, they would confess, that they would repent, that they would share, this is what I've done, Lord. I've turned my back on you. And I pray, Lord, that they would hear the forgiveness that you offer because of the blood of Jesus for them. So Holy Spirit, meet us. Speak to us. And lead us. In these next couple moments, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together. We hope this message encouraged you to know who God is and who you are in him. If you want to take a next step, visit frontlinegr.com slash next. We look forward to connecting with you there and we'll see you back here next week.